you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And uh, on this podcast today, we have a, a very special guest and friend of ours, Pastor Jacob Armstrong, who is uh, the pastor at Providence United Methodist Church uh, in Nashville. Jacob, great to have you, man. Hey, Matt and Zach. It is wonderful to be with you. I've been looking forward to this. I grew a beard, shaved a beard. I had a mustache, uh, scared people. So uh, you can't see me, but I'm clean shaven and happy, happy to be here. And, and I also realize that probably everybody makes a bearded joke to start. So I just kind of wanted to fall in line. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, we, we appreciate it. And, you know, we, we always tell our, our people that we'll, we'll Photoshop a beard on you on you afterwards. <laughs> so you don't feel left out. <laughs> uh, well, Jacob, again, glad to have you on, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and, and kind of where you're from and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Uh, as you said, I'm the pastor of Providence Church, which is a, a United Methodist Church uh, just east of Nashville. We're about uh, 10 miles outside of Nashville. And I think, I, I'm not sure when you stop being a church plant, but my wife and I uh, and a team of people uh, planted the, the church uh, 10 years ago. So actually this September, uh, we're going to be celebrating our, our 10 year anniversary. So it's been a, a great, uh, great journey. We uh, were um, a mobile church, meaning we didn't have a, a permanent place to meet for uh, over eight years. So a sort of real part of our DNA and identity is not connected to uh, space and place, but more of a, you know, sort of a sent uh, community of folks. But we do, we're, we're coming up now on two years in our first, uh, in our first uh, building. And, uh, and actually this year, just a, a few weeks ago, we launched our uh, we've, we've helped start a couple other churches with, with folks, uh, so it's a big part of our DNA, but we, we launched our first uh, campus, uh, which is a, a, a new church meeting in East, East Nashville, which is an area of Nashville, and so it's, uh, we're really excited about it. We uh, went into a, a United Methodist Church that had recently closed its doors, so an old uh, established, actually a church they had annual conference at uh, in the 60s, so it was like one of our flagship churches that, that closed its doors permanently a year ago. And uh, we're working with another organization that's going to turn the building, it's a 40,000 square foot building, <laughs> uh, into um, a place for transitional housing for the homeless. And we have planted a, a church there called Home Church, uh, which is reaching mostly uh, millennials in our, in our city. So as you can tell, that's something I'm really, really excited uh, about. And, and, and we branded it not really like as a a campus of Providence. We really believe in the pastor and the, the leadership there. And so we're just trying to empower them to be who, who God's called them to be. So yeah, we're a 10 year old, uh, 10 year old church. And, um, who our vision is to see people who feel disconnected from God and the church, uh, connect with Jesus. So that's really, uh, out front for us, uh, seeing folks, uh, who feel disconnected. And, and we find that most people, uh, feel disconnected from God and the church from time to time. And, uh, and so that's our, that's our, uh, big focus. I got a, a note this morning from a, a young lady who's 30 years old and coming out of, a, uh, a rehab program and, and prison and, and telling about how she's found a connection with Jesus, uh, at the church. And so we were, we just finished celebrating, celebrating that and looking forward to her, her baptism in a couple of weeks. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, 
there's there's a lot there just in that um i'm i'm, I'm fascinated by the mobile church thing right yeah. um but um you know just going off that idea of connecting connecting those who feel disconnected uh i think something I, I think some of the ways that we approach church and approach bringing people in the church, we get hung up on generations or age groups and, you know, just certain sections of people that we're, we may be missing or probably are missing in, uh, in our churches. And, but I think this, I, I think with leading with that, connecting those who are feel disconnected, you're right. We, we all feel disconnected from God at, at some point in our life for some season, for some reason and, and approaching it that way really, that, that's a broad scope of we're going to bring all people, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're not going to go for a specific group or anything like that other than those who feel disconnected, which is all of us. Right? Yeah, all of us. Yeah. I mean, that, that hits on the heart of our church. When we started, um, started our church in my living room, we uh, did this crazy thing. We just opened up the Bible and uh, we asked ourselves the question, like, what does it look like to follow Jesus in this community? Uh, that was 2000 and, in 2008. And I mean, I know this is really elementary, but it came alive for us just that Jesus was continually connecting with the people on the margins that it's, you know, his focus was almost uh, relentlessly on those who felt disconnected while still always having lots of conversation and connection with those guys like me who were the church guys, you know, right. uh, who are, who are in on that. And so that, that's what, that's how that, that stated vision, you know, grew out of that. And what we discovered is just, just what you said, Zach, is that, um, that it was just a real wide breadth of folks. When I started the church, I was 27. And I think a lot of folks expected this um, young, maybe even hip church, although I am not hip or never was, but just <laughs> I was young. You know, And our church from the get-go has just been multi-generational and all kinds of people. And really, I'm being silly, but folks come to our church and are surprised at, at you know, we have really old people and really young people. And... Um, some of that is helped by that my hair turned white when I was like 29 years old. <laughs> so, uh, my, uh, mine totally skipped that white phase. Okay, it's just cool. gone, right? Well, <laughs> and, and mine's in this receding mode. That's why we're okay, here. Good. So, so I'm glad we could talk about that. My therapist says it's good for me to, to talk about it. <laughs> right. Because uh, it was sort of a, a, a surprise to me. So, so Jacob, you have uh, you have a plethora of books uh, on Amazon. <laughs> I was I was like, do I have any of his books? Because I don't, I mean, I've, obviously, I have enough books to to not keep track of everything. And actually, I do have like several of your books, and and you have several of them. Which um, and you have a new one coming out, right? From if, if I'm, yeah, okay. yeah. Actually, so, just just this week uh, or last week, uh, I have a new book called A New Playlist that that's come out, and it's about hearing hearing Jesus in in a noisy time or a noisy world. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it comes as a series, actually um, uh, a three book series that I'm writing. That's the second one. And the series is called The Connected Life. And so these are uh, a lot of my writings um, coming out of the life of our church. And so the hope was to help other pastors and church leaders um, with just that, helping people who feel disconnected connect. And so uh, they're, they're geared towards that. I think they, they work work great for the, the person who's been established in church, but also help, you know, help give language. Um, you know, that's a big part, I think, of what we've tried to do at Providence is, is, is around language and the way that we talk. I think that's, you know, maybe, maybe the first place um, that we are able to kind of open up uh, to people who aren't usually in the church. I have another book, uh, Matt, called The New Adapters, where I write a lot about that. And, 
the reason, you know, for me, that comes from Pentecost when the, when the church has started, you know, the first thing that happens is that people are talking in a way that the people who are on the outside can understand. And so like the language barrier is broken down first, and then you get to just really simply tell people about, about Jesus. So the hope with the connected life books were to help small groups and, um, you know, followers of Jesus in their own walk. Um, there are four people who feel disconnected <laughs> and, and the way that we create groups. Um, my wife and I wrote a, another book that goes with that series. Uh, that's actually called the connected life. It's just a really small 110 page book, I guess. That's about our model for small groups at our church. So really the building blocks for community and, uh, discipleship and evangelism and service. The building block of our church are these, uh, small groups, which I think are pretty Wesleyan, um, but they are also, I would say, um, geared for folks in our church who many of whom don't have a church background are disconnected. So John Wesley would probably uh, uh, think they they might be a little weak <laughs> for him, <laughs> but uh, in the way that we're trying to, to, to connect people. So that was a long way of saying, yeah, we have a series of books. Um, the third one will come out in August that is called The Connected Life. Um, and, uh, and we have another small, small book that goes with that, that shares kind of the philosophy behind that. But the new one's called The New Playlist, and it's about hearing Jesus in a noisy world. So it just talks about um, the, the ways that, that Jesus speaks to us and the ways uh, that he can cut, you know, cut through uh, a lot of the mess and the noise in our lives to, to speak, speak to our hearts. That's great. Um, uh... I, I love that idea of being connected and, and let's, let's, I'm, I'm going to have you unpack your book a little bit more if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so seeing, seeing a church um, like yours that, that is, is reaching multiple generations, right. And uh, doing it in different ways. How are you finding people um, hearing God in this noisy world in, in the variety of ways? Yeah, I think it's uh, some of it's simpler than I think sometimes we make it out to be. Uh-huh. We're actually uh, in the midst of a series right now where we're talking about that again. Um, and, you know, Jesus, when he speaks to people in the scriptures, there's often, it often has a very technical meaning, like throw your nets out into this part or, uh, you know, get up off the ground and, uh, or don't be afraid. Um, but, but Jesus' words have this sort of transcendent, um, you know, spiritual, deep on the deep kind of thing. So when, when Jesus speaks to us in our, in our minds, there's also this way that Jesus speaks spirit unto spirit. And so uh, what we've tried to do is, re- is take down the barriers of some of our churchy language. Uh, it doesn't mean we have uh, absconded that or got, gotten rid of all of church language. In fact, we do a lot of ancient things at our church, but there is some unpacking that's, that's necessary, uh, I think, in today's, uh, in today's age, as far as how people, uh, where I'm at in, in the Bible belt, uh, you know, there's still a lot of that hanging on where people understand, uh, church language, but even where I am, uh, you know, people don't know what a narthex is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And even, even a Holy communion would be, um, would be something that would need to be explained. Some we have Holy communion every week at every service at our church. Um, but we try to put it, uh, put it in language that that folks can understand. So I think when Jesus speaks, uh, there's a way that we can hear it in our minds, but also a way that we can, that it cuts to our hearts. So clearly when Peter was told to throw his nets out into the deep, uh, something happened. It was, you know, I think for him, it was like a moment when the ground shifted underneath him. And so what I'm trying to say is I think, 
uh, we don't have to make it complicated uh, that we can uh, share with people the words of Jesus and not try to manipulate or make anything happen there, but we can trust that the Spirit will still do um, what the Spirit will do with, with God's, God's words. It's really yeah. just keeping it simple, I think. Right, right. And I'm not that smart, so that works well for me. You know, <laughs> no, I, I love that. And, and you're, you're right. It, it, we do keep it simple. And, and I'm, I'm, going, I'm working through your interruptions book with yeah. my church for Lent, right? And uh, that's it. Thank it's you. simple. It's taking these simple stories, right? And, and they speak. And uh, I, I love the idea of, of, especially during Lent, where we're supposed to block out the interruptions, right? Yeah. We're supposed to ignore them. And, and yet, let's find God within these, right? Yeah. Whether it's, it's the you know, woman tugging on the robe of Jesus, yeah. and, and he pays attention to it, or, or the woman at the well. You know, it's, it's whatever these interruptions are, instead of ignoring them, let's find God within them yeah. and see maybe maybe this season of our, of our lives, whether it's Lent or just this season, maybe God's trying to be this interruption. And, and that's so, I'm not very smart either. And so I get that. Like, that totally makes sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can preach on that. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you about when we did interruptions. So um, we, we were doing that as a sermon series in Lent. And uh, the, first, the first week, uh, this is when we were meeting in a school. And um, the first week we had a prayer that people could pray. And I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like, uh, Lord, interrupt me, this something, blah, blah, blah. And so that week, I got a call that we had been kicked out of the school <laughs> that we were meeting in uh, for a, a period of time. They were going to do this renovation, but like literally we had to get out. So right. um, I just wanted to warn you, like, you may not want to pray that Lord interrupt me. <laughs> I've made the mistake. I've ended every, every sermon through this series of let God be your interruption this season. It's like, yeah, oh, crap. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've accidentally prayed the uh, George Acevedo prayer of Lord send us the people that nobody else yeah. wants. Yeah. That's a deadly prayer. If, uh, if, if you is. want, I mean, two Sundays ago, I prayed that prayer before our mm. worship in our worship meeting. Wow. And we had a couple of people that, um, let's just say, um, just have some problems. And so like, I had like kind of use that as a teaching moment of how we handle those kind of people when they come into our congregation, because we, um, we do this awesome feeding ministry, um, on Thursdays. It's an ecumenical thing. Actually a Muslim now runs it. Like it's, it's really cool. Like I'm, yeah. I enjoy this thing. And so that does attract people to come on Sunday mornings in some way, shape or form. Um, and so we've had to talk about how do we handle people that have mental health issues? And, yeah. and that's been, you know, that's not, you know, they don't look, act and think like us. And so how do we, you know, how do we handle that? And that's been, a, yeah. those are those conversations, you know, those interruptions that we have yes. to like educate our people on and walk right. with them. Um, and I think far too often we try to force it down people's throats and like, mm -hmm. no, this is the way it's going to be instead of walking with them and helping them, yeah. you know, move into it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, so Jacob, as you, prayer. I, have you ever had George on, on your podcast? Actually yeah. we, we have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and He's He's brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah I think uh, just to stay there for a minute, um, you know, I think in all, in all seriousness for my wife and I, we had a young teenager, I think I write about it in Interruptions, who we loved, who was our neighbor, and uh, and we were the last people he talked to before he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And it was really for us that first moment of just feeling totally uh, broken and disconnected. You know, we, we had we were 22, 23 years old and given our life to the ministry. And we felt like we had just squandered uh, everything. 
And our pastor came to our house that night because uh, we were just broken, you know, and he shared that concept of interrupt because uh, Clayton, the young guy, like he was a total interruption for us. You know, we were living our lives. We were in school. We had our sights set on the future. And, and every, every time he was with us, it felt like an interruption. And, and he was able to frame for us in that time how um, God is present in the interruptions. And even, even though we saw great failure in what we had done in relationship with him, that God, God, God's grace is sufficient, you know, and that God had worked through uh, us in those times. And so, you know, we bring those things out and they become, you know, I think the visions that God gives us, like the vision for our church, uh, you know, comes out of those, those broken places and those, those, you know, those prayers that we pray, um, not having any idea that, that what it might, might open up. Yeah. So Sorry, as, it, no, Sorry. no, like, no, you're good. Oh, that's that perfect. <laughs> um, so as you know, you, you have all the, you know, like I said, you have all these great books and the new adapters, uh, that was actually one that was given to me during one of cool. my mini moves, uh, just recently. Yeah. And I was like, I know I have that book. I like, I remember putting it on the shelf somewhere. <laughs> uh, awesome. And, uh, you know, I actually, I was just thinking that's the book I really want our, um, lay leadership team to, to look through and let's have, that was actually on my list. I found it. It's actually over sitting over here in my books to cool. use. Um, and so, you know, I want to, uh, you know, what are some things like some kind of just nuggets that you'd like to share with us yeah. in regards to, you know, things. Yeah. yeah. First of all, just that book came out of, I'd written a few small books, but I really had that one on my heart. And, and my hope was to uh, shine, help be a part of shining light on the beautiful things that God was doing at that time in particular. I think it's a little bit better actually, but at that time, you know, there was just an overwhelming negative rhetoric around church. Uh, that's when uh, the, much of the data was coming out about the demise of, you know, our denomination and other mainline denominations. The, the phrase death tsunami was being <laughs> thrown around uh, quite a bit. And I get that. I get that if you follow out the traje trajectory of, of some of these statistics that the church is going to end, you can pinpoint that date. But um, my contention was and is, uh, is that that kind of thinking puts way more emphasis on us than it does on what really empowers the church, which is, which is the Holy spirit. And so I'm just sort of banking on that. God's designed vessel for the Jesus message getting to the world is not going to fail. And, and obviously God has given us a really critical role in that, but I think we have to be careful uh, in, in how much of, of it we think rests on us. So I sort of, I asked Abington, uh, my uh, publisher on that book, if I could write a book that, you know, sh shine light on, on where the beautiful things, you know, to try to change the rhetoric a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and in the midst of that, uh, also be able to share some things that I think are really adaptable for a church of any size. So at that time, our church was growing really fast, but it was, it was significant. And especially because we were meeting in a middle school gym, um, and a city park and a, a hotel meeting room and all those kind of things. So what I was hoping to do with the book, which I hope would be good for your lay leadership, Matt, is that um, to say sometimes we go to a conference like at Church of the Resurrection or Ginghamsburg Church, two churches that I have really looked to and learned a lot from. And what I've seen is that there's a part of that that really inspires us, but there's also times where it can be sort of overwhelming, you know, and you think, well, I don't have a, uh, um, a TV studio, <laughs> you know, in my <laughs> church. I, don't, I can't create uh, videos like that. And so what I was hoping to share is that as a church in the middle school, which sort of strips away all that stuff, 
the things that they're doing in those places can be adapted, uh, that we shouldn't just throw that out. And so then I got the gift uh, of having Adam Hamilton and Mike Slaughter you join me uh, for a bit in putting that together to put to put their names on it in a, in a sense was a, a way of saying, yeah, um, you know, this is not just something done at a church that's in an affluent area or has uh, all the resources at their fingertips. And I really encourage people to not uh, discard what you could learn from places like that just because it may look different. Um, so the new adapters is really a book written about folks, small, medium, large churches that I, that I considered were doing that core adaptive work. It's what a missionary does. A missionary goes into a place, um, and listens and learns, uh, before they act. And, um, I think a, a great miscue of the church, which can be tracked back, uh, quite a ways is that we stopped listening and learning from our community. So our churches became sort of programmatic and that worked under the assumption that when people came to our town, they would come to our church. And so we'd want to have the programs that would, uh, you know, meet the needs of these families and, and individuals who are coming. Well, we kept doing that for about 40 years past a, a cultural shift where people weren't just coming to church, but the churches kept operating under that. And I talk about in the book how uh, the original megaphone uh, created by, uh, oh crap, I can't remember who it was, Thomas Edison or somebody, um, uh, I just said crap too. Uh, so um, <laughs> the original megaphones had like these two uh, horns in the ear, two horns in the ears and one in the mouth. And so I talk about how I think the church has to return to um, listening more than, you know, sending out a mail out, right? And we send out mail out, so I'm not against that. Right. But if we are not continually uh, listening and learning from our community, and I went to plant a church in my hometown, so I could have just been like, hey, I know this place. And to be honest, I was probably seven or eight months in before I realized I was cramming uh, a vision that I had received in seminary into a community where it didn't fit. So one nugget I would say, Matt, is this idea of the vision must fit the mission field. No matter how great it is, um, you have to be... Uh, contextual and adaptive to make sure that it um, that it that it connects. So that that's a big part of it. And then I think the the other thing I would would bring up is just that idea of that I was talking about with uh, with language um, and the way that we do things in worship. Uh, sometimes it to me I can go to a place and it feels so uh, disconnected from the community. You know, it doesn't feel uh, organic. Um, and, and even authentic to the people that are there, but we just keep doing it and, and keep doing it. So uh, it's just a book to encourage people to be, uh, be the expert in their community. I don't think there's a cookie cutter for how we do this. I'm really ingrained in the church planting world now. And one of the biggest things I see are young pastors, young church planters who have this great vision and they neglect to actually see where they are. So, right. right. I, I love that, that you took and, and really address that, oh, the church is dying. Because um, I get that question a lot, being, being in rural Montana, and I've yeah. served in, in yeah. Texas and New Mexico, and, and, you know, kind of all over the Southwest and now in the North. And, and that, especially when I go home to Texas, my family likes to have that conversation of, well, the, the church is dying. No, 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 I don't think it is. Yeah. I, I think we're actually getting stronger, right? Um, we're just getting away from saying we go to church and actually not going to church. The yeah. people who are coming are actually coming and they want to come and say, wow, we don't have young people. Just go yeah. get people, right? Yeah. Um, but it's about building these connections. It's about 
taking and addressing that head on of, no, 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 we're not dying. Uh, we're just doing things differently. We're, we're playing catch up in a lot of places now because we've taken that model over the last 40, yeah. 50 years and, and it doesn't work. And yeah. so now we're having to go, oh crap, you know, where are we at? <laughs> what are we well, doing? And, and I think that that's where, you know, the real reality is, is that the metric never worked. Right. Is that, right. you know, we were only judging churches based off of one metric, you know, your worship mm-hmm. attendance and membership and, and, mm-hmm. You know the church is so much more. I mean, and it is. That's that's something we wrestle with in my current congregation. Is that, you know, like there's yeah. not a day where there's not something going on in this church. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's you know a lot of it's a, you know community stuff that we can offer. You know, hey, we've got a space you can come and use our space. And you know, some of it is you know we have people that have hearts and passions for different kinds of ministry. And mm-hmm. you know, some of that stuff like the ukulele choir, we can't really put that on a um right. uh, a. Um, uh, you know, that's not, that doesn't go on any report because <laughs> um, uh, that's all they do is they sit around and play ukulele and that's, you know, um, it's a good little thing. Um, and so, you know, Jacob, as you, um, you know, as uh, we, you know, we value your time and we know that, you know, you've got things to do, you're a church planner. Uh, and so you definitely have a busy schedule. <laughs> um, <laughs> um and it's Thursday for Zach and I, so we this is what we do. Um, oh, you're gonna make you bro. What a so well. Yeah, I was go just, ahead, Zach. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, is is there what else do you want to share? Is there anything yeah. else that is as we've talked that you wanna? Because um, I, I I like that you you said you know look we we go to these places and and as missionaries and as visionaries you know we see bigger churches in and, and I serve a I serve three I'm a three point. Uh-huh. for charge right and and one of my churches and is, is in a town of less than 200 people mm-hmm. uh they have a church which is us the only church in town um a bar and a post office so these are these are really the only three places that have their doors open regularly in the community and you know they they look around and go oh there's nothing like us out here but they're doing really bang up stuff in the bar and in in the surrounding community that um bigger churches i've been in have been afraid to do um and so i i love that idea so is there anything else along those lines of how we just a church of any size how we go out into our mission field and see what our communities need yeah, I think um, yeah, a couple a couple of thoughts come to mind, but I, you know, one of the things we learned, I think there's things that uh, for, church planting is not like the ultimate. It's not something everybody's called to. But I do think there's some things that that the established church can learn from church planting. And I'm sort of an established church now, and so we try to remember our remember our roots. But um, on on our first uh, when we were starting our church, like we barely had a name. I had a, a, a sort of a a date that my district superintendent wanted us to start. So I had to kind of just like make it up and be like, yeah, we're starting, but we weren't really anything. You know, we just kind of had a name for our church and we named our church Providence church, which the name of our community is Providence. So it like wasn't even clever or anything. Like, I got to do this. Um, but on the first weekend that we were going to have our first worship service, um, the day before we learned that our community was having an event, they call it the spring jam, but it was really just like an Easter egg hunt. And, and so on that Saturday, I was driving to the Spring Jam. So a year before, I had been at First United Methodist Church in Murfreesboro, where I had served for eight years on staff. So a year before, I had had my little girls uh, at the church Easter egg hunt. So I'm driving to the Spring Jam, you know, alone, and I'm passing all the churches in our community, and they're having their Easter egg hunts. And I sort of had this feeling of loss and, you know, thinking, what in the heck am I doing? Um, and because I'm a church guy. Right. Uh, but when I got to uh, Charlie Daniels Park, so uh, we're in the where country music is king. Yeah. yeah, Charlie Daniels is one of our famous residents here. 
uh, you know, like Devin went down to Georgia. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And um, so Charlie Daniels Park that day, 3000 people came to this Easter egg hunt and we were like painting faces and giving out balloons, but it, it triggered something in me to think perhaps many of these people did not have a church to go to their Easter egg hunt that, that Saturday, you know, so while everybody's packing out the parking lots at their church and enjoying that fellowship, uh, there are still a lot of people out there. And so it, it put this thing in us to think, to always try to think about um, what's, what, what's going on out there that's not connected to the church. And rather than us try to uh, mirror it and do our own, we, jo we join in. So in that first Saturday, we also went to two apartment complexes and did Easter egg hunts. And we still do stuff like that. But the longer we're a church, the, the easier it is not to do those things. Mm. So you have to continually be thinking. Um, I talk about it in New Adapters about how can I join in what the community is already uh, doing. But to what you were saying, Matt, I just wanted to point out, to throw out, you know, this idea of metrics, I think is a big deal. And we measure attendance and we measure money and, you know, just like everybody else. Um, but as a church that has a, a stated vision that we derived from listening and learning to our community and being among people, um, one of the things we try to measure are stories. And I know that's very amorphous and hard to do, but even if you would find on our website, you know, we put Providence stories up there and we're continually telling stories of people uh, being connected to Jesus. So there's some metrics that come out of that, like baptism, like the lady I told you about to begin with and church attendance and that kind of thing. So it, it, I think it's holding a, hold it, holding them in both hands. You know, it's not getting rid of one, but in this time, I, you know, uh, as a narrative, people who are part of the God narrative, I think stories are another really important thing uh, to to measure and tell over. And we tell the same, we tell even the same stories over and over and over again because that's what we do. That's what the people, uh, the people of faith, uh, are up to. Uh, oh, I'm making noise. Yeah. Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. And, um, I have something else, like if we're nearing the end of our time, just that is on my mind as we were talking and thinking about all the, uh, bearded and non-bearded people that might, uh, listen, listen to this is just that, um, you know, if I'm in, and before we came on, just full this, you know, these guys asked me just kind of what might be on my heart. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest today, I would say that, you know, 10, 10 years into ministry and starting a church, it totally wore me out, you know? And, um, and I thought that I was being, uh, faithful to, um, you know, uh, boundaries and timing and all that, but really I had, I had, had gotten off track in a way of, um, I think focusing too much on too much on self that led to too much of a reliance, a false reliance on myself that led to, for me, you know, anxiety and, um, and just a real emptiness. And so I'm in a, in a process now of just trying to kind of, you know, find my footing again in the midst of that. And the key, uh, clearly for me in that is just a deep abiding in Christ, you know? And so I, I just kind of, you know, as we come to a close or close to a close, um, you know, we can talk technical stuff all the time and people will ask like, why did our, why did our church grow? One reason our church has grown is because our, our community is growing like crazy. There's tons of people. You know, and I want to be up, be up front about that. So the way that we would measure things outside of Nashville, Tennessee, one of the fastest growing cities in the nation would be totally different than in, in Montana. Right. Um, but the, the heart of it, I don't think is, is different. And uh, yeah, give me just a few more minutes and I'll, I'll please go fine. as long as you want to go. <laughs> when, when Rachel and I were starting the church, uh, we had this opportunity to go to a bunch of churches because we didn't have a church and we weren't worshiping on Sunday morning. 
And one of the things, um, so we would get to sit down with leaders that we admired and we sort of saw this, uh, this dichotomy of, it seemed like guys and gals who'd been in the ministry a long time, either sort of tended to being sort of this, uh, you know, this toughened, hardened, thick skinned kind of leader who could handle a lot of stuff and, uh, and, you know, wasn't afraid to, to encounter conflict, but, but the, but you could tend towards being like a, a jerk or a, a, a donkey. We have a different name for it in my house, but it's like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they were there, but you had that way. And then you would also see people who were in ministry who, um, would become sort of a doormat, you know, and people would walk all over them. Uh, Richard Lisher has a great book called Open Secrets where he, he talks about um, being a quivering mass of availability, you know, that we can get so far into to ministry. And so Rachel and I would talk about often leaving these places, these two kind of poles, you know, and, and just sort of in fun, we'd be like, I wonder what we're going to be like 10 years from now. You know, are we going to be a jerk? Or are we going to be a doormat? And of course, we were hoping there was something else. But there was an instance in my church several years in where I had a conflict, uh, a really painful uh, conflict with, with a leader and it hurt and I had just left their home where I sort of felt like a punching bag you know I, I think I was trying to act like Jesus but really I was just taking the blows and so I come home in the kitchen and I was just I was just uh, you know sort of oozing those wounds and the mess of ministry and and I was telling Rachel everything that I wish that I'd said to that person <laughs> you know what I mean like in a in a rude way and she's taken it uh, and I, she didn't even say anything, but I could tell, I looked at her, I was like, I know what you're thinking. Like, I know you think that I'm, I'm going to be a jerk. You know, that's going to be my reaction to, uh, the fatigue and the difficulty of ministries. I'm going to harden myself. Um, and, and she said something that has stuck with me and, and, uh, I talk about a lot and I'm trying to reclaim my own life. She said, I'm actually praying for you, uh, a third way. And I told her, I was like, I do not want you to be spiritual right now. <laughs> you know but anyway she's and I said what is it and she said I'm praying that you'll stay connected to Jesus I'm praying that you'll stay connected to the vine that you'll abide um and so I would just say like you know 10 years in and I've uh, I've written a bunch of books and our church has grown really fast and man my core focus is just trying to connect stay connected to Jesus you know or we right. you'll you'll burn out you'll lose your soul uh none of that stuff will will mean will mean anything so that's just what was on my heart this morning I wanted to want to share it. Oh, I love it. I love it. No, I, my wife and I have a, a shared experience in that I used to, uh, a few years ago, a few churches ago as a, uh, Wesley foundation director. Mm. Yeah. And, and we did a lot of that going around and preaching in various churches, guest preaching. And, um, that's what I'd spend my summers doing. Mm. You know, the students would go away and yeah. I didn't have anything to do for three months. And so, uh, I made myself available and Hey, you guys go take a vacation. I'll come in and preach for you type yeah. of stuff. And we did the very same thing. We'd walk into churches and be like, here's some really good things. Yeah. Here's some, here's some things we don't want to do. And, yeah. and her, her commitment to me in ministry was if you ever become like that, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. done. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's so great to have uh, a spouse that's connected like that, that can go, Hey, uh, you're being a jerk. Or, yes. or you're being a, a doormat, you know, yeah. find, find that middle way and, yeah. and helps bring you back to that place. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, I don't think our, our spouses get enough credit <laughs> sometimes yeah. for the work that they do, uh, not only in our lives, but, 
the uh well remember we did a podcast about that and it didn't we do very well. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, no, we, we have our we have our wives on a uh, couple times a year and oh, cool. usually those are the better podcasts uh, <laughs> yeah, or or they're the ones where they're they really want to say a few things about zach and i's relationship that they won't because that's, they, it. <laughs> that's yeah that's where the boundaries come into play that's exactly right, right. that's exactly well, and, right and i think that that um you know that little the little bit that you gave us i think that that's key that's oh, beautiful far too often um you know I, I i just got finished with decom on monday and i kept thinking mm-hmm. you know how many you know how many of all of us not only sitting at this table but the pastors that we interviewed this week you know how many of them you know, ground themselves really in Jesus, not just through the paperwork and making him look good, but how many of us like just stop? And, and I thought about that last night we were doing, this in the middle of this Bible study. I've got three people in this Bible study. And, um, I had a, I had a um, person ask, you know, why are you doing it for three people? And I'm like, cause man, these three people, like these two that gather, there's three people that gather with me. Like, I feel like we're having a great genuine conversation that, you know, if I would have said no, these people would have missed out on, and I would have missed out on that is really working on me. And so, you know, I think that, I think far too often we, we, you know, we, we forget about the whole realness of Jesus and how much he just was like there and modeled a way that's just powerful. And if we can strive to do that, then it's amazing to see how much we become shaped and changed over our time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Jacob, we'll give you thanks for your time and, you know, um, you're always welcome to come back on, you know, if there's ever, you know, when your next book comes out, you know, uh, glad to to talk about that. Whether it's your next book or you just got a Thursday free, man. (laughs) uh, And come, come see me in Nashville. I'd love to, love to meet you guys or any of the little listeners of Providence. Yeah. We'd love to be able to do that. And so uh, for our listeners, uh, we want to encourage you to, uh, you know, check out Jacob's books. You can find them on Amazon or Cokesbury or wherever else you buy your uh, books. Um, and, you know, we'll check add out. links to this podcast. We definitely will add links to this podcast. Um, you know, we also would encourage you to support us. We have, uh, you know, click the buy stuff on our website. Um, we've got coffee mugs, t-shirts, buttons, all sorts of great uh, swag that you can use to promote our website um and we just give you thanks and encourage you to go on google and you know wherever you listen to this give us five stars and then just bash the crap out of us you know <laughs> just give us the five stars and then yeah, that's right. and then you and, say what you want and then speak truth <laughs> Good. um but you know for our listeners and for, for everybody else for the bearded theologians i'm matt franks and i'm zach bechtold thanks for checking us out Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.